Intercom wants more of the nice people visiting your website to give you money. So they took that little chat bubble in the corner of a website and packed it with automatic meeting booking, data capture on leads, conversational bots, and more. Intercom user Elegant Themes added Intercom to their site and now convert 25% of leads through live chat. Go to intercom.com slash deals to jump on customer intent in the moment. Then see everything else Intercom can do. That's intercom.com slash deals. Hey, welcome back. Time again for another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. Our special Halloween edition starts right now with the one man who celebrates Halloween all year long, Matt Hines. This is the Halloween edition, isn't it, Paul? It is, right? We're on Halloween. Yeah, you know, for those that are going to be listening to the podcast, it's probably going to be well into November once they actually get this episode. I appreciate your Halloween costume. You've got a beautiful orange sweater with a button that says, this is my Halloween costume. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Take it or leave it. I'm an old guy now. You know, it's much effort. Well, that's what I'm doing. I'm dressed as a father who will be volunteering in the school <laughs> at school's harvest party later today. Yes, um, yes. So I'm dressed in layers. It's cold here in Seattle today. But once I get into that class, it's going to be burning hot with all those kids running around in their costumes and me trying to just help organize control chaos. Boy, isn't that it. You know, when I was a kid, it was for kids. But now it seems to be more for adults than anybody else. So this is sort of my rebellion here. You know, everybody's dressed up in the bank and everywhere around here today. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm not doing it. I'm focused on the kids today. I got, you know, I have 10, 8, and 6-year-olds at home. And my this for the first year this year, my 10-year-old has decided she wants to go with her friends. Oh, um, so I'm, that's a I'm hard okay moment. This, but I'm also shedding a tear that yeah. she won't be with Daddy this year. Two sugar hype boys that we're going to be heading out trick-or-treating with. I'm a little ahead of you. I got a 5-year-old grandson, so I get to do it all over again. I, I did it once with my daughter. Now I get to do it all over again here. So. Now you get, you get the, and you get the better job, too, because <laughs> what you could do is you basically, like, you take them out. You have some fun. Eat all the candy you want. Okay, Mom, back to you. <laughs> exactly. I fill them up with sugar, and I send them home. That's all I do now. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for joining us on, yeah, this special Halloween episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. If you're joining us live on the Funnel Media Radio Network, thanks so much for joining us. We are here every week live at 1130 Pacific, 230 Eastern, and very excited to have you all with us. If you're joining us on the podcast, sorry about the Halloween talk, because now you're probably into your uh, Starbucks holiday cups and thinking about uh, the, uh, the end of your holidays and Thanksgiving. But uh, thanks very much for joining us on the podcast feed. Every episode of Sales Pipeline Radio is always available past, present, and future at salespipelineradio.com. We are featuring every week some of the best and brightest members and best and brightest minds in uh, B2B sales and marketing, and today is absolutely no different. Very excited to have with us Edward Roberts. He is the Director of Product Marketing in, in Herba and previously the Still Networks. And uh, Edward, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate your time. Absolutely. I was very excited to have you on to talk about just marketing overall, to talk about ABM. You've been with Distill Networks for 30 years. You guys recently went through an acquisition. So all kinds of program and B2B and ABM and even sort of M&A culture things we can talk about. But I know we'd initially talked about really focusing today on account-based marketing. And I'm very excited to just get your perspective, you know, being in the trenches of helping a company move towards an account-based marketing approach and all the things that are required in terms of elevating the game of the marketing team, but also sort of changing the culture between sales and marketing to make that work. So I guess I'll ask the broad question to start. Talk about why ABM, account-based marketing, why and how it became a priority for Distill. How did those conversations get started, and where did you make the decision to lean into that? 
Yeah, so I think to set the scene, what Distill, or, or now Imperva, as we've got been acquired, does is that we protect websites from bots that are attacking those websites. And obviously there's many use cases and many different types. So we have a wide range of organizations that we could have gone after. So when you're a startup, you go through that typical make a lot of experiments, learn where you're successful, and try and double down on the investments that are successful and then try to be more focused so that you can you know, gather more business. But as you're going through that startup, you don't know what industries you're most successful in. We'd started from our formation and we'd been focused more on smaller to mid-market customers. And then as we started to develop an understanding of the customers that were buying the product, we moved to a more enterprise focus. So we moved up market, realized that there were certain industries that were very interested in the solution that we had, which was stopping bots from abusing their website and mobile apps. Uh So that's where ABM came in. ABM came in as a, a solution to focus ourselves and focus our team. There was only three of us in the marketing team. So we wanted to make sure that we weren't trying to boil the ocean and do too many tactics. And we wanted to be focused on the area that we thought we could be successful. So that strategy of ABM was about, let's pick an industry. And and in our case, we picked airlines as our first one. um, And we decided that we were going to attack and focus ourselves and really go after airlines first. And it was sort of the first foray into ABM. I don't think we've mastered it. I think it's a journey and we're still going on it. But our first foray was say, let's create content that focuses on that industry and see if we can be more successful and really develop some more sales within that vertical. So let's take a step back for a second. I, I love the narrative of what you're doing here, but I want I want to better understand sort of where this came from and how you were able to sort of because you know doing this work, both taking internal resources and spending money in, on resources externally and tools and the like. You talk about what it took to get that program off the ground. Was your CMO involved? Uh, you know, was the leadership of the company sort of prioritizing this? Uh, what were some of the initial expectations and I guess catalysts to making this a priority? I think the catalyst was we started to see this one industry as having a lot of penetration and our solution being adopted widely. So one, we had experience in that and we understood the the, the language or the jargon that they talk about in that industry. And, and we had people who had successfully sold into it. We saw revenue that was growing from that industry. We realized we weren't that deeply penetrated into that industry yet. And so we said, let's double down and and continue the proven success that we've had and really see if we can expand. So really it was a a market opportunity, just seemed like it was the the most lucrative way of going after that and then how do we attack that. So that was kind of the whole business was saying, look, we're successful in these areas, let's go after them in a more concentrated approach. So the whole business was behind it, sales, marketing, CEO, it was, uh, we decided to make that bet and say, let's go after that. They're all enterprise accounts and let's go and attack those those verticals and so we decided to in a quarter by quarter basis we would change each vertical but we decided that we would go after them focus so it was marketing campaigns that were we're going to go out then it was 
sales follow-up, you know, amidst that. And then it was, let's measure the results and see if uh, pipeline grows and, 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 you know, and see if we can get those conversions. A little more about getting sales on board. I mean, I think it's one thing for sales to say, yeah, sure. Like we'd love to have marketing's help with going after enterprise accounts. But as you sort of dug into the details of what that required, talk a little bit about how, what it took to get not just strategic alignment and engagement from sales, but moving into operational alignment and really sort of integrating activities across sales and marketing. Talk a little bit about any, any challenges that that require, but also any sort of lessons and best practices from what you guys have done there so far. Yeah, yeah, we we had good and bad in that one. It wasn't always, uh, we had bits where we went, well, we did that right. And then we had bits where we said the engagement and alignment was poor on that one. I think the areas where we found it to be in alignment, obviously sales are in a hot lead that's come in and they've, they've got a stated problem and they've asked, they put their hand up, right? So anytime we could switch over, you know, a, a lead in that regard, we got alignment. And so I think our best alignment that we had, we put the inside salespeople or the SDRs as we call them, into the program so that they were following up on every interaction that came out of these ABM campaigns. And so our alignment with that group was really, really good when we were trying to say, okay, let's focus on this industry. We're hitting these 400 companies in this industry and we're going to target this many people within them with these titles. And any follow-up we had, those SDRs were on it and we had alignment there and that was helping build by pipeline. We moved it further forward. Okay, sorry. No, sorry, keep going. That's great. Yeah, when we moved it further forward and we said, let's try and move our ABM to sort of individual landing pages that we were creating for a certain business and we were trying to get follow-up and then we were trying to get the outside sales guys to, to use that and, and be aligned there, we found more difficulty there. So that's that was where the, the challenge of having people being realizing that you're all trying to focus on the same goal, the alignment fell apart a little bit when we were with the outside sales team. So that was some of the challenges that we had to make sure that that adoption was happening. So like I said, we had really good alignment through the SDRs, and then we had some challenges when we were dealing with the account executives outside. We hear that a lot with account-based efforts, right? Where you've got an inside team, they're typically like, you know, some cases because they sit right there because you can spend more time with them. And maybe because they're more junior and they're still figuring out sort of what sales and marketing looks like and how it should work together. Sometimes with the field, you've got reps that are further away that maybe traditionally have not really expected or experienced really good alignment or an operational alignment with marketing. Talk a little bit about that and so the evolution of that for Distill and now Imperva. And what are some of the strategies that you put in place? And even if it's still a work in progress to improve that communication and collaboration with the field sales team. The holy grail, I guess, ABM is that you do one-to-one marketing, right? It's you, you know that person, you know their profile, you know what they've downloaded, you focus only on them. And so you create a very individual and personal experience. I don't think we've gone there yet. There's still work to be done on that. We've got sort of more of the, we're focused on that one business and we're trying to sort of penetrate into that business deeper rather than just being the one-to-one person-to-person marketing. So I think the, the evolution is, uh, is continuing. We started at the us contacting people in that industry with content that was focused on them and it was very much, here's us talking about your industry, so talking to people who like you and showing you case studies of people exactly like you and trying to sort of get into the account-based marketing that way. And I think we did well in that one. I think as we move to this more one-to-one model, we're, we're still trying to work out the trouble in the road there because we're not quite, uh, we're not quite there yet, but that's still the, the work in progress and the ultimate goal that we're, we're trying to achieve. 
been talking today on Sales Pipeline Radio with Edward Roberts. He's Director of Product Marketing at Imperva. And, uh, I mean, you've been at this for a while, right? I mean, you've, you've uh, you know, you look across, you know, the work you've done at, uh, at Mykonos and Juniper and Distill and now at Imperva. Sometimes we look at things like account-based marketing and we say, okay, it's kind of the flavor of the week and it's something everyone's focused on and maybe it's a fad, maybe it goes away. What's your perspective having done B2B marketing for a while, what ABM means? Do you think this has longevity? Will this be something we're still talking about in three to five years or will we have moved on to something else? Yeah, like, I mean, that's a, an interesting perspective. Is, is it a step on the evolution and, you know, that time will tell that. But I think what's interesting about it is that internally it, it allows your team to focus on a goal. And so you're not doing um, what some people would say, random acts of marketing, right? Where you're saying, okay, we're going to write a blog, we're going to do a webinar, we're going to do, and they're not coordinated, whatever that activity is. This actually gets you focused on saying, what are the multiple touches in our campaigns? They were between eight to 10 touches in a row. We created unique content based around some threat research of how industries were being affected by bots. And then we slice that information up in many different ways to create lots of different assets from that one asset. So we created a focus for the department. So we were all working on this one goal for a quarter. So I think that was really, really helpful. So you weren't getting distracted. And because leadership and everybody else was also involved with it, you really didn't get that many distractions around it because they knew what everyone was trying to do and what the release dates and when things were going to go out. So I think as a way of focusing your marketing department and the wider company, it's a very a good approach. I, I think that was very beneficial. For example, we would do updates to all, all hands meetings so that everybody in the company knew what the campaign was and what was coming out and when things were coming out and when the email campaigns were starting and, and, and when a different outreach was going on. It allowed us to focus and rather be in random, which I think is what I've seen in the past. So that was the benefit internally. And I think the other benefit was numbers-wise, we had more engagement and more interaction with our activities. So our email opens went up, our click-throughs went up, our downloads of CTAs went up, you know. So all things like that improved, and that led to a growth in pipeline that you can say this campaign has created this much pipeline. So for us, it, it allowed us to, to focus, but it also allowed us to create a sort of standard measurement um, yep. based on a campaign. And so got rid of that random act of, hey, we need to do this webinar next week with so-and-so, and, -so, and you, you're suddenly scrambling. So I think well, that's the benefits that we saw. Love it. Well, we got to take a quick break, pay some bills. We'll be right back more with Edward Roberts talking about ABM. We're going to talk a little bit more about what's coming next in 2020, the impact of a little M&A activity at Distill and Imperva, and how that impacts ABM programs moving forward. We'll be right back on Sales Pipeline Radio. Sales teams, is your website helping you turn prospects into customers? Because Intercom thinks it should be. Intercom makes that little chat bubble in the corner of a website. That's their messenger. But it's so much more than that. The Intercom Messenger is designed for businesses to jump on customer intent in the moment. It connects you when you're there or automatically books meetings and captures data on leads when you're away. You'll sell more, more efficiently. Like Intercom user Elegant Themes. They added the Intercom Messenger to their site and now convert 25% of their leads to paid subscriptions through live chat. Just having the Messenger spark valuable customer conversations that Elegant Themes might not have had otherwise. That's Intercom's whole deal, connecting you with customers while they're on your website with timely, personal insights. Because when customers have a great experience, it's great for business, too. Help your website help you land more customers than see everything else Intercom can do. Go to intercom.com deals today. 
That's intercom.com slash deals. And with that, we head back to Matt and some more scary stories from Inside the Trenches. Well, I mean, every story inside the trenches gets a little scary, I think. I mean, it's, it's, it's very rarely do you, do you ask someone, like, how did something go? And they're like, oh, it went perfect. There were no changes. Everything went great. Um, and it's amazing, oftentimes, like, you ask that question, whether you're doing it in a public place like a podcast or you're just doing it in a meeting, and people apologize. Well, you know, we're not perfect or, you know, we're just we're still working this out. Well, that's everybody. Like, that's just, that's just how the sausage gets made. And I think we all live in glass houses, and this is all, like, really difficult stuff. I mean, when we're talking about not just – marketing, owning outbound campaigns. We're talking about really integrating between two departments that historically have not integrated at this tactical level. I love what Edward's talking about, the challenge of working with field sales. It's not that field sales doesn't know what they're doing. It's not that they don't want to participate. This is new stuff, and it doesn't happen right away. And uh, got a few more minutes here with our guest today on Sales Pipeline Radio, Edward Roberts, Director of Product Marketing, Honestly, Edward, your, your LinkedIn profile still says Director of Product Marketing at Distill, but I know you guys are sort of working through the acquisition uh, with Imperva. So I'm, I'm curious to hear, you know, there's things you may or may not be able to share, all the details, but as you take what has clearly been a successful start to an ABM program, you talked before the break about some of the improved metrics and, and campaign results you're seeing. As you now take that and move that and merge that with another organization, what are some of the opportunities and challenges that you face that other companies and individuals might face as they take programs and now combine that with other cultures. I think some of the the problems as you get acquired, you, you've obviously got um, you've been swallowed up by a, a larger organization and that, that has more SDRs and, and more salespeople. And so some of the good parts of it can be made better, right? You have more investments, you have more budget, for example, to, to put towards maybe search ads or, or any ad campaign that you might be putting within the program. So you have increased ability to make a, a little bit more noise. Um, but you also have the, the problem of now you're trying to, to deal with uh, an exponentially larger sales force and trying to get that sales alignment. So those problems can be exacerbated just by scale. And so that's, that's the challenge we've had. We've, we've tried to do one ABM campaign already since the acquisition, and that's uh, underway right now. So the results are still being worked through. We've got a larger budget than we had previously. So that's obviously always a, a benefit in terms of um, the things that you can do and more tools than we had, right? When we were at Distill, we were more in the, you know, using less tools and we were doing it with a, with the typical things that we had. We weren't buying anything special focused on ABM. We were tracking it in a spreadsheet and doing those things and making sure that we got the program underway and got things going out. And so I, I think as we go to move down the evolution of it, you might sort of look at expanding what the marketing stack is and what tools that you use that might be more focused on ABM. And, and some of those are available within Imperva. You know, so that's the, the evolution. We're seeing benefits, but we're also seeing some of these problems of scale of trying to get that alignment that I talked about. So as we look at 2020, and that's a really good segue into thinking about, you know, the new year, given the success you've had, given the, the opportunities you now have with, you know, potentially a little more budget, a little more resources, how are you looking at evolving and growing the account-based work into 2020? What are some of the bigger opportunities you see? And what are some of the obstacles you see that might be you know, something you want to keep it, keep in mind to, to try to navigate through over the next 12 to 14 months? Yeah, I think it's a different set of problems because when you, you know, when you were a smaller organization and you, you sold a smaller number of products, you you were focused on selling those products and your, your any new work was either two existing contacts that you already had and you were trying to nurture them along. 
new sales. Whereas now we're going into a larger organization where there are already established relationships and customer relationships with other products that aren't aren't the one that we're trying to, to push. And so you have the ability now to probably upsell a little bit better. So rather than what you were doing before, which was all greenfield. And so I think that opportunity is slightly different. And so can you, how do you handle upsell to key target accounts that are already existing within Imperva? You know, that's where the focus has shifted is that, you know, how do you get inside those organizations that are already purchasing other products? and trying to add it so you you're now dealing with different things of packages and promotions and um and other tactics rather than just simple or a typical abm campaign that we were doing before so it's definitely become a little bit more complicated but the focus is because the focus is very different based on how we sell with the organization that sells other products all right we just got a few more minutes here with our guest today on sales platform radio edward roberts the director of product marketing at Impervan. you know i'm curious you give in your career thus far who are some people that have been particularly influential for you they could be you know, professors authors managers people that you have been impacted by that you might recommend other people check out and learn from as well oh now you know you're putting me on the spot to name <laughs> people that i you know, I, I don't know. There's, there's been a, a bunch of people that I've worked with over the years who have, have been very helpful in sort of focusing their mind. So I CEO at Mykonos, a uh, guy by the name of David Correct, he had one comment that I always thought was really pithy, was, you know, working with a startup. He said, make make $1,000 bets, don't make $10,000 bets, and then let's learn mm-hmm. from them. And so it was sort of, you know, make sure we're, we're focused on the budget and make sure that we're not overly spending when we're when we're just testing things out let's test and iterate quick and, and do it for as cheap as possible but let's get some some data and keep moving things forward so that was one uh, they've been talking about people that uh, that they know in uh, in marketing wise i've kind of been reading a lot of edward tufty in terms of how to show things and do infographics and things like that about data visualization i think that's kind of interesting stuff to read and then i, I think i've also done a lot of work on presentations in terms of looking at how do you use slides and pictures and death by powerpoint and all that sort of stuff so i think some of the work of nancy duarte and people like that have been interesting those are people that i've uh, done a lot of reading of and one that i worked with it's interesting, your, your last comment about sort of just visualization and images and the visual elements of B2B, I think is what, I think as B2B marketers, we tend to focus a lot more on the written word and not as much on what we're actually seeing and looking at and how that impacts the senses and how that actually impacts tactically and strategically our interest in moving forward. I think the visual part is we're different learners, right? Some people are readers, some people like it visual, some people like to experience things. So you have to try and hit all those learning modalities. So I, I think those are, you know, you have to make sure you've got content that covers different ways people learn. And so I think we've got to be thinking about visual. What You know, why is video so, so powerful? Because it's, you know, 90 seconds, a quick click, and you can read it and see it and visualize it, and it becomes apparent to you, whereas it might take you five minutes to read something about it. So it's uh, you've got to pick your, uh, your vehicle in your media but you know i think the visual stuff can sometimes get things across a lot quicker yeah i agree and i think you know when you have your audience is busier than ever when they're more skeptical than ever when they're not you know we, we give we give new people and new uh, new companies a little less time these days to prove themselves i think having something that stands out makes a big big difference uh, we're running out of time here i want to thank again our guest today edward roberts director of product marketing for imperva if you like this conversation and you'd like to you'd like to share this discussion with others on your team, we will have uh, a replay of this episode up on uh, salespipeonradio.com in a couple of days. It'll be part of the feed of now approaching, we're getting close to 200 episodes here, Paul. We've been doing this for a while. It's crazy. 
we'll have a transcript uh, summary of this conversation up on HeinzMarketing.com in a couple of weeks. And we've got some great guests uh, going to finish off 2019 for us. And as someone internally mentioned the other day, we are headed as we finish this year into the roaring 20s, Paul. Uh, of the new of the new millennium of the new century so uh very excited for that that's it for today well on for on behalf of my great producer paul this is matt hines thanks again to edward for joining us today and we'll see you next week on sales pipeline radio and with that we wrap up another episode of sales pipeline radio right here on the funnel radio channel for at work listeners like you 